Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. And man, what a weekend it was, right? A lot to talk about. Landscape and college football within the Magnolia State has changed a lot here in the past uh, 48 hours. Interesting, interesting turn of events, to say the least. We're going to get into all that. We're going to talk about what it all means. We're going to talk about where we are in recruiting right now. We're going to talk about what to expect. It's going to be a very, very eventful couple of weeks. You know, before you know it, the uh, the early signing period for uh, for college football is going to be here. I think it's important that we understand that. I mean, there are a lot of people out there that I think that say, "Well, you know, you got time to figure this out." No, you really don't. You really don't have the opportunity to figure this thing out. That's uh, that's the thing with the early signing period. It has changed the way we do things when it comes to the coaching calendar. So when we get into the uh, contact period, which started December 1st, that runs through February 1st, but there's going to be the, uh, going to be the, the uh, mid-December signing period. And so that's like two weeks away. And so as these schools like now Ole Miss are having to kind of wander through this, there becomes uncertainty within your recruiting class. Because the, trust me, there is no shortage of college coaches, including those from Mississippi State. And it's in the ears of those Ole Miss commitments right now. It is the same at Arkansas. It is the same at Missouri. It is the same at South Florida and elsewhere. Everybody's in your ear saying, hey, well, you know what? They're not going to have a coach for a while. They're going to bring in somebody that doesn't fit your style of play. They're going to bring in somebody that that's uh, a bad guy. There's negative recruiting that goes on. It's so interesting, too. People say, well, you know, 
you know, Steve, you should you should always just talk about you know the good of your program. You should always just kind of praise your program. Listen, if you think that it gets rough on the bottom of the pile in a rivalry game in the SEC, then you haven't seen anything about what happens on a recruiting trail. People say, well, you shouldn't negative recruit. Negative recruiting should be illegal. Negative recruiting is recruiting. You talk about why you're better than the other school, why you're a better fit. Everybody does it, and then the people that say they don't are kidding themselves. That's what goes on all around the country. And so you better believe that as soon as the announcement was made last night that Matt Luke was not to be retained at Ole Miss, that the uh, commitments to Ole Miss, their DMs were, were filled up. But before we get into all that, let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I was there again last week, man. I'll tell you, another great meal. Another great meal. Go by and find your own favorites. Bulldog Burger Company is the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District. You can have the mission, the pimentology. You got to add the bacon, though. That's the way we do it on the boneyard. You add that bacon. You got to get spring rolls, too, as your appetizer. Uh, but I will tell you, it's a great family atmosphere if you're looking for a night out with your family. Or if it's date night, you know, you can go have an, a nice meal and an adult beverage and uh, just relax, you know. So you can do a little bit of everything there. It is the Robertson Family Restaurant of Choice. Every time we ask the kids where you want to go out to eat, that's what they mention. That's where we go. Love going there. You will, too. Two locations now to serve you. Starkville and University. And now in Tupelo on Gloucester Street. Bulldog Burger Company. The place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So... Before we get into the fallout that is the rest of the conference and everything else, and uh, we had the announcement on Saturday, Joe Moorhead will be retained at Mississippi State. A lot of discussion, as you guys know, on Egg Bowl Day, and I covered much of that on Friday, so I'm not going to rehash all that. Uh, Joe is coming back, and so the first thing that the people ask and say, okay, well, Steve, what, what kind of changes should we expect? Well, here, I don't have a lot of specifics about that yet. I, I hope that we can get more information, and we're going to see some things. But I am told that John Cohen had a laundry list of things to address and that Joe Moorhead was agreeable, you know, uh, to make it some of those changes. And I think that is a, it's a step in the right direction. Don't know how lengthy the list and the first things people say is, well, Steve, you know, what kind of changes do you expect on the staff? Well, I don't expect changes on the staff between now and the bowl game. I guess there could be people that get other opportunities elsewhere, but really most of that happens you know, around the coaching convention and as other coaches uh, get hired elsewhere, you know, they'll hire some other guys. And there's always some ebb and flow with that. I mean, one of the things that I've learned about college football coaching is, you know, you want to have some continuity on your staff. But if you've got a bunch of guys nobody wants, it's, that's an easy way to keep the staff together. But they also will probably get fired together. So there's going to be guys that move on. And as we saw last year at Mississippi State, we had some guys that came in and were hired that uh, it really wasn't a great fit. And so they lasted a year that they've moved on. But I do anticipate some changes uh, to the staff. I do anticipate some changes, not just in the on-the-field staff. I think there will be some changes made off the field as well. I think it's, it's evident that we are not the nasty, strong, punch-you-in-your-mouth, spit-in-your-face-and-make-you-like-it football team we once were. And a lot of that starts in strength and conditioning. So I expect there to be some changes made within that department. I don't know if that necessarily means just personnel or philosophy, but there will be some changes there. We have to kind of reclaim our identity in that respect. So I anticipate that taking place. Uh, but there's always that end of the year 
you know, meeting. There's things that, you know, athletic directors and administrators kind of pick up and you sit down and you discuss them. And there's some, you know, some give and take, some ebb and flow with all of that. But Jim Warhead is here. And uh, there are a lot of people out there that I know with this, a lot of polarization when it comes to this decision. A lot of people say, well, you know, I think based on what we've seen through two years, the offense is not what it was advertised. I think that's a fair assessment. Now, you could easily go back and say, well, you know, Nick Fitzgerald didn't wasn't the best fit for the offense. And that's probably fair. And that's not being critical of Nick. It's just kind of a statement of fact that, you know, Nick is kind of a run-first quarterback that's playing in a pass-first offense. And then, you know, I can say, well, you know, there was these injuries this year, and you had two first-year starters, and you, you bring in a grad transfer in Tommy Stevens, who, who was injury-prone throughout his career, and he was injury-prone throughout his time here at Mississippi State. Then you had to start a, a freshman quarterback in Garrett Schrader. And then there's the whole quarterback competition between Keaton and and uh, and Tommy. And I really believe that, that something happened there. And I believe that is something that kind of stayed with us for a while. But Garrett Schrader is the future of this program. But what's interesting to me is we're running a lot of the same concepts that we did with Nick Fitzgerald here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, you could make the argument that Nick wasn't the right fit, but now we're kind of fitting the offense around what Garrett Schrader does well. And then you begin to kind of scratch your head and say, okay, well, why didn't we do more of that when Nick was here? It is what it is. Now, I firmly believe six and six won't get it done next year. You know, you had the Tudor Gate 10 situation this year. You had the injuries, and, and injuries are part of the game. You know, Tudor Gate scandals are not. That should never be part of the regular experience. But you've got these things that have gone on. I don't think that you can carry that over next year. You know, the, the excuses you have, excuses, reasons, whatever you want to call them, opportunities, as my dad would call them, that, that doesn't carry over to next year. So you get another year with your guy, Garrett Trader, who will be the face of this program going forward, the bearded face of this program going forward. Uh, and, and then we'll see what happens. I am not as doom and gloom as many of you are. I'm also uh, not the Pollyanna that some think I am. Uh, but I, I believe Mississippi State next year, I mean, if you look at the schedule, you look at the way that many of the toss-up games next year will be at Davis Wade Stadium, and many of the games that you expect to lose in the conference will be on the road. You know, that's generally when states does, we have our best years is in those even-numbered years. It's the way the schedule works in recent years. Those are the years that we traditionally are a little bit better football team. You know, so my hope is that uh, we can take full advantage of that. Need to win that NC State game on the road next year for sure. State's got a chance to open up 4-0. Let me go ahead and prepare you for this. Next October, there's going to be a lot of complaining from Mississippi State fans. And it's not that I have a crystal ball in front of me. But I do have the 2020 Mississippi State football schedule. And so let's talk a little bit about that. All right, so Mississippi State next year. Uh, we will open up at home next year. We will not be in the uh, Louisiana Superdome. We will open up September 5th against the New Mexico Lobos at Davis Wade. Now, all due respect to the Lobos, we ought to win that game pretty handily. That's what I'm expecting anyway. And if we don't, 
you know, goodness, we got all kinds of trouble. But we will. We'll win that ball game. Uh, the Lobos have really struggled this year. Two and ten this year. They beat Sam Houston State in the opener, 39-31. And they beat New Mexico State in the rivalry game in Albuquerque. And I believe New Mexico State went winless this year. And then they lose seven in a row to close out the year. Uh, I, and I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. New Mexico State went two and ten. They, they after they lost Old Miss, they did go on and won a couple ball games. They knocked down Incarnate Word and the UTEP Miners. But that's who Mississippi State will open up with. Then we travel to NC State. Looking forward to that. I've never been to Raleigh for a football game, so that'll be fun. We'll go up there. And we'll go up there. And hopefully, win, beat the Wolfpack. And then we come home for the SEC opener. We get Arkansas early, and I kind of like getting Arkansas early. Arkansas doesn't have a lot of talent. I think they'll get better as the year goes along, but I kind of like getting them early. And then we get Tulane here. And so if you begin to look at that, NC State has struggled this year. They've been they've been hit with the injury bug. But we should open up 4-0. and And then we get Texas A&M coming in here. A&M is going to be a better team next year. If you look at their schedule and look at their returning depth chart, they're going to be a team that could really challenge for a New Year's Six bowl game. And so that'll be a pretty pretty interesting game right out of the chute. Might have you know some, some early bowl implications and some SEC West shuffling right out of the gate. And that two-lane game is not going to be a cakewalk either, just so you know. We're going to have to play well in that ball game to win. Uh, but A&M comes in here, and then you get the benefit of the bye week. And so remember, I told you October is going to be uh, interesting because we get Texas A&M bye week at Alabama, at LSU, and then Auburn comes to Davis Wade. That is as, a, a, as, as tough a month as you will see anywhere in college football. Four games against teams that will certainly be ranked in the top 15, top 20 when they get here. Mississippi State needs to win one of those, <laughs> for sure. We need to try to find a way to get one. I would say, you know, getting Auburn here or A&M here is probably your best bet. I don't think we're going to be able to go into Bryant-Denny and, and win that ball game. But it's going to be a different day and time in the SEC West next year because there will be no Tua. There will be no Joe Burrow. A lot of those Alabama receivers will declare and go out. There'll still be a Najee Harris. Now Alabama's just going to reload. Okay, they're going to have plenty of players, and Mac Jones played exceptionally well against Auburn, even though he, he did have a couple of pick sixes there. But, uh, you know, Alabama very easily could have won that ball game. So there's not going to be this big drop off at quarterback. They are going to lose a lot on the offensive line, but it's going to be a different time. Auburn's going to lose most of their defense. They do return Bo Nix on offense. Uh, I'm sure Booby Whitlow will be back. Expect him to be back. But I like the fact that of the two teams you look at and say they're really in, you know, close to being toss-ups, A&M and Auburn, we get them here. I think A&M is a better team than Auburn next year. But we got to find a way to win one of those games in October. Then you get out of there five and three, and you get into November, and you've got Kentucky, Alabama, A&M, and Ole Miss. All winnable games. But then the November schedule, much like this year, it's very manageable. You know, the state goes three and one this year. Uh, you know, uh, against, you know, winnable opponents. I mean, I think everybody, I think the schedule went as people expected it to go. 
You take down Arkansas on the road at Fable, you lose to Alabama as expected, and you take down Abilene Christian and you beat Ole Miss. And so you go three and one in November, and so that that's I suspect that you're going to see a similar situation next year. It's always tough to win on the road in the SEC, but uh, you got to find a way. You got to find a way to do it. And so, but I, you know, I think you can just roll the football out next year, go play the football game, and 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 be right back in the thick of things. And again, I don't think six and six gets it done. Uh, that trip to Kentucky's not going to be a picnic. At Kentucky, then we got Alabama, A&M, and at Ole Miss. But you know, I, I look at this right now, and just being conservative, I think you're probably looking at a seven, seven and five situation. You get things going somewhere, then you, you know, maybe eight and four. But I think the main thing we've got to see is we've got to see some more continuity on offense. We can't have these clunkers of ball games where we go out there and just kind of sputter around on offense, and like we did at Knoxville. But I think when you begin to look at this deal. It's a manageable schedule. But again, six and six isn't going to get it done. Missouri comes in here at Kentucky, Alabama A&M, at Ole Miss. You got to think, you know what, that that's at worst a three-and-one deal. Missouri gutted this year. This was supposed to be their year. They end up six and six, and then they, they, they're up. Their bowl ban is upheld, uh, so they're out of the mix. But they'll, they'll return the trip. We went down there in 2015 and went up there, so they'll be back. But, uh, you know, again, just running through this, you beat New Mexico State. You, you find a way to beat NC State. You beat Arkansas. You beat uh, Tulane. You open up 4-0 and there. And uh, let's just say you get one in October and you get through there 5-3. and and, and listen, that one's going to be difficult to get. I'm not, I'm not assuming anything. But you get there, you get 5-3, and three, and you've got four games here. Let's say you split, you know, one of those road games. That's an 8-4 and four deal. I could see this thing going anywhere from 75 to 9 and 3, but we've got to find some continuity on offense. Now, one of the things that I think is going to help on defense is number one, we're getting grown up front. We're getting some depth up front, some of this experience, and I think our defensive front's been better as the year's gone on. But you begin to think about next year, Marquis Spencer, Kobe Jones. I expect those guys to be the, uh, the starting defensive ends. And of course, you got to continue to recruit well, get Jordan Davis in. I think Jordan Davis is a Montez Sweat type guy. It may take a year, okay, before, for him to fully realize his potential, but I think he's a guy that can really help the pass rush next year. I still believe we have three NFL guys playing defensive tackle. Fabian Lovett, Jaden Cromedy, Nathan Pickering. Those guys got better as the year went on. They got pushed. They are able to generate some pass rush. I think that group's going to be better. I also think you're going to have Errol Thompson and Willie Gay. I know some people are wondering, wondering about Willie Gay. I, I, let's, let's just say I got some information this morning I feel pretty confident about from an impeccable source that Willie Gay is leaning towards coming back next year. Not to say that things can't change, but as of today, he's leaning towards coming back. So Errol Thompson went to social media and said he expects to be back. So you begin to think about those guys being your starters and then Aaron Brulee and Nathaniel Watson and Jed Johnson kind of being your two deepers and your special teams guy. I think you can begin to kind of feel pretty good about the direction of things. Not to mention, you, you add Tyrus Wheat into the mix, and we're probably going to have to beat back Kentucky to keep to keep him. He's still a guy that's uh, in demand. You look at the fact you got Martin Emerson and Jerry and Jones that kind of took some lumps this year. They'll be your starters next year. Tyler Williams also in the mix, who I think has played exceptionally well the last month of the year. I think you can feel good about corner. Marcus Murphy obviously will take every one of those safety spots. you got to figure the rest of it out from there. Fred Peters probably plays at nickel. 
he's had a good month as well. And again, it takes those JUCO guys probably a year to kind of figure it out, at least half a season. So we'll need Fred to be good next year. Not sure what C.J. Morgan's availability is going to be. But defensively, this should be a really good team. I don't think they're going to be the 2018 defense by any stretch. I don't think there's three first-round draft picks there. And this group underperformed at times this year. And, and, you know, it's one of those things you look at and say, you know, maybe we uh, just looking at the the, the roster attrition, we said, well, we'll take a step back, but we'll probably be, you know, we potentially be a top 25 type defense, probably at, at worst a top 40 type defense. But that's not what happened. You know, our losses at the defensive tackle position. And again, that's one of the things that I think, you know, we talked about a lot earlier in the year and we've kind of forgotten about, but you know, we, that, we, we mismanaged that as a Mississippi state football program. We mismanaged the recruiting aspect of the defensive tackle position. We should never, ever, 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 ever be in a situation that we get so unbalanced that we've got to trot three freshmen out there in our rotation, really four freshmen because Cam Young was in there too. That should never happen. We got in a situation that the only veteran guy we had returning was Lee Autry. And so when you begin to make those assessments, you're also beginning to uh, to uh, expect the fact that, that Lee Autry, Marcus Murphy, and Willie Gay would be available. And then we find out about all the uh, Tudorgate 10 stuff, and then there's the, uh, the lack of availability by some of the guys that were expected to be major contributors. You get every, all those guys back next year except for Autry. You got the experience of this year. And so this year – has not been a great year in Mississippi State defense, even though we have gotten better down the stretch. You you know full well you have the full availability of those guys next year. I think you can feel pretty good. The offensive side of things is a little diff- more difficult. The offensive side of things, you know who your quarterback's going to be. You feel confident that Garrett Schroeder will be your quarterback. You hope Colin Hill will come back. I, I, I've got some conflicting reports on him, but when the one thing, the one consistent that I do have on Colin is that uh, he is expected to apply for his draft grade and then make a decision. I know that he would love to be able to go pro, but also I'm told that he's not going to go pro just for the sake of going pro. If he does not project well, that he will look to come back and polish his game. So we'll see how that all kind of plays out. I do expect Cam Dancer to go. I'll be surprised if he comes back, but I do th- I do think that he will go. But you know he he may surprise us. But I think the best thing is prepare prepare for him to go, and then hope that he stays. But on the offensive, we talked about Garrett Schrader. Listen, we've got to find some pass catchers. Okay, we've got to find some guys that can get open. And we talk about well, hey, we're losing all these guys, but you know honestly, I would say probably the uh, you know the one guy that you're losing that that you might want back that next year is uh, Dedrick Thomas. You know, that's one of the things when I look about this football team, you know, I don't know that he really gets the, uh, you know, what he deserves, you know, for this year. Kids played well. He and Garrett Schrader have had a great relationship. And it's incredible, you know, sometimes you, you have a quarterback that, uh, you know, he has his own favorites. You know, it takes a little while to get all that figured out. Garrett told us in a media opportunity that uh, Dedrick was a go-to guy. And so, Looking at receiving numbers for Dedrick Thomas for this year, uh, Dedrick Thomas leads the team with 28 catches. 28. That's not a lot. Spread it around just a little bit, but Dedrick, 28 catches, 372 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. Osiris Mitchell, who has been a little bit banged up down the stretch, 27 catches, 383, 
five touchdowns. That'll be an interesting uh, battle to watch in the final in the bowl game, right? Stephen Gidry, 24 grabs, 311, 13-yard uh, average, four touchdowns. Isaiah Zuber is 14 catches. And so we spread the ball around some, but we have not been the prolific passing offense that many of us expected. Not that we – I don't just mean that because of the personnel, but it's, you know, philosophically. A lot of discussion about us being more of a pass-oriented team. And then I've got, you know, Garrett Schrader, you know, running for 587 yards and 113 carries. And that was one of the things that we talked about last year where you know, Nick carried the ball over 200 times. And you get into this year, and we've, we've carried it about 180 times right now. So we're really not so far removed from what we ran before. Now, perhaps as Garrett Schrader begins to develop as a passer, we become a little more balanced. But the quarterback run continues to be a big part of what we're looking to do offensively. But we've got to find some pass catchers. You know, for Rod Green, it's really the only tight end uh, that really shows up in the box scores week after week. And 18 grabs for him, 234 yards and a touchdown. But, you know, he's one of those guys, too. He's a very reliable guy. But what is there behind him? Well, Dante Jones, six grabs on the year. Six for 44. Brad Cumbus got a couple grabs. Spivey's got a couple grabs. Those guys are going to have to make a jump. But so when you go through this group and you begin to think, okay, all right, yeah, we've, we're losing some guys that were solid. We're not losing any superstars at wide receiver. You know, Mitchell will be back. Javante Payton will be back. Um, Austin Williams will be back. Cameron Gardner will be back, you know, and Cam, listen, you know, just the one grab for seven yards. I mean, so we've got to find some pass catchers. That's really, I think, that's the biggest deal. Of course, you get Kyle and Hill back at running back. That answers a lot of questions about, you know, your offensive capabilities. You know, you return a guy that will certainly be an all-SEC back. But let's say you lose him. You know, then all of a sudden you've got Lee Witherspoon and a couple of young guys and Kareem Walker. You know, you could see why the offense could have some some growing pains. But I, I think at this point, Joe Moorhead's got to figure out a way to scheme against that. You've got to find a way. The offensive line, you know, we've got – you're going to lose Tyree Phillips. You're going to lose Darrell Williams. And Darrell Williams is, is a leader on this team. That's why he was voted captain. But when I begin to think about, okay, Charles Cross is a guy that we think is a future NFL left tackle. I believe he has more natural ability than Tyree Phillips. And I love Tyree Phillips. I think he's a great guy. But Charles Cross at left tackle. Stuart Reese, left guard. Cole Smith at center. You got Derrick and Parker or like Winston Sharp, right guard. And you Greg Island at, at right tackle. And there will be some other guys, you know. But, you know, you begin to look at that list and you realize, okay, maybe we're not quite so bad on the offensive line. You're going to return guys that have a lot of starts under their belt. And the fact that you've got some newcomers. Nick Pendley will be a guy that uh, redshirted this year that uh, that has a real nasty streak with him. We expect him to come in and be a real contributor. So I feel good about the offensive line. It's going to take some time to gel. I think you probably have – you've got a lot of talent there and guys like Pendley and Cross, but they're going to have to get some SEC snaps under their belt. They're not going to hit the ground just running wide open. It's going to take a little while. I'm glad we were able to, to redshirt both of those guys to give them a chance to kind of grow up together. There's some other younger guys in there that we expect you know, to come along and do good things. But I think when you look at that front five, you feel pretty good about that. And you know right now you've got basically three tackles. You, you've 
You've got some talent. You've got three guards you feel pretty good about. Now we'll see how things go. But, you know, Joe has got to go win ball games next year. Mississippi State's got to go win games. This time next year, nobody's going to be sitting around saying, okay, well, we went 6-6 six and six and we beat Ole Miss. And so we're good. Okay, no, we're not. And one of the things that I want to kind of clarify, too, if I can. So a lot of people are saying, well, it boiled down to the Egg Bowl. Well, it boiled down to the Egg Bowl because we lost to Kansas State and Tennessee. You know, I think if you're 7-4 and four going into that ball game and you lose to Ole Miss, I think you probably survive that. This is really more about getting bowl eligible, about getting to the postseason. And, but, but it came down to that ball game because that's the game it took for us to get bowl eligible. I know a lot of people say, well, you know, he's coaching for his job. I think you look for the whole body of work here. And, uh, you know, had you been in a situation where you weren't sweating that ball game out, you might have been able to survive that. But it is what it is. Now it's time to go to work. And one of the first jobs on the to-do list now in the offseason is uh, I think you got to go out there and revisit some of those Ole Miss kids that uh, chose them over us. And listen, there, there are some things out there like, like the Eli Ackers of the world. Uh, Eli Acker is a great offensive lineman from Heritage Academy, right down the road at Columbus. He grew up an Ole Miss guy. He's named Eli for, for crying out loud. I don't think anybody would be upset about that guy picking Ole Miss no matter who the coach is, okay? And, and it would be like my own children, okay? Uh, if my oldest had a chance to play baseball at Mississippi State, it wouldn't matter to him if, uh, if they didn't have a baseball coach because there's some kids, that's just how they feel about those programs, and many of us were the same way. And so I don't give State a lot of opportunity to, uh, to flip Eli Acker. But you'll take a swing at him and see what happens. I suspect he'll end up at Ole Miss. But, uh, you know, Khalil Benson's the guy at South Haven. It was kind of back and forth between State and Ole Miss. Probably go back and take a swing at him. You've got uh, Jacobon Brown out of Horn Lake uh, High School, linebacker. He was another guy that was committed to Mississippi State and, and flipped to Ole Miss, and it's maintained a bit of a relationship. And now all of a sudden, things are in a flux in Oxford. And so you, know, you get back in contact with that guy. That's how it works. You know, and that's one of the things that I, that I begin to think about. It's, it's, it's rarely ever a situation where their kids are flipping to us, you know, because, you know, they live for the PR splash and to be able to think that, well, we're kind of slapping Mississippi State around. And to a certain extent, they have when it comes to recruiting. You know, there's, there's some games out there Mississippi State doesn't always uh, participate in. But I think it would be big if Mississippi State could flip some guys left. You got Ray Curry out of Memphis. Mississippi State recruited pretty hard. He picked Missouri. A little bit of a surprise. You've been in contact with him a little bit. Now, all of a sudden, that there's a, the coaching change at Missouri, I think you take another swing at him. I think you have to. That makes perfect sense to me. You go ahead and make that adjustment. State's got to get some offensive linemen. And I, and I do expect there to be at least one more change in the current class, possibly two. But you've got to go get some high school offensive linemen to kind of get that pipeline going again, get that developmental pipeline going. I think that's an important part of things. But it's a different day in the state of Mississippi with Matt Luke being terminated. And so one of the things that I find interesting is that uh, a lot of people said, well, you know, listen, Ole Miss is going to hang on to Matt Luke. And if we're going to give Joe another year, then we both could be looking for a coach next year, and that's not good for us. And then the same people that said that are now saying, well, Ole Miss should be credited 
for firing Matt Luke, and we were scared to do that. Well, did, wouldn't that have just kind of replicated the same situation? You know, if we both make a coaching change this year, then we're both competing for the same candidates. It's just, it's kind of like, you know, you, you don't want to be one of 20 houses for sale in your neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? And so if you look at the neighborhood here, let's kind of run some of these things down here. There's been a lot of coaching changes already. Let's run the list down here. Chad Morris, fired. Steve Adazio of Boston College, fired. Willie Taggart, Florida State, fired. Matt Luke at Ole Miss, fired. Barry Odom, Missouri, fired. Bob Davey, New Mexico, he's gone. Uh, Old Dominion resigned. Um, Chris Ash, fired at Rutgers. Charlie Strong, fired at South Florida. UNLV, fired Tony Sanchez. Frank Wilson, fired at Texas San Antonio. You know, and so begin to look at who's in our neighborhood. And what I mean by that is who is in the same geographical vantage point, but also to as far as prestige and facilities and all that kind of stuff, you know, these schools are going to be competing for the same candidates. And so when you look at Arkansas, Ole Miss, Missouri, everybody talks, well, you know, they need to be looking at Mike Norville. They need to be looking at uh, Bill Clark. They need to be looking at Lane Kiffin. You know, I don't think it's a good year for Mississippi State to make a coaching change. Because I'll be honest with you, I, I don't I don't I don't think we can out facility uh, Arkansas. I just don't think we can. And so last year that there was not a single coaching change in the SEC. There's gonna be three and I don't think we're ever going to be competing for Vanderbilt for the same coaches. And so in the event that we make a coaching change next year and I and I think it's seven five, eight and four that we want I think that we'll, there'll be a lot less houses on the market in our neighborhood, if that makes sense. And I hope it makes sense, because that's the analogy that I had planned to use. You know, it's that, uh, you know, if you've got four or five houses in the same neighborhood, it's a lot more difficult for you to sell yours. I think it'd be more difficult for Mississippi State to sell the coaching opportunity here when uh, you, you could have better facilities at Arkansas and you have a comfortable job at Ole Miss and, you know, I'd much rather be the only block, the only house on the block for sale. Maybe that's just me, but that's how I feel. So what does all this uh, stuff do for recruiting? Well, continuity always helps because recruiting is about relationships. It always has been. It always will be. And so now all of a sudden there's all this uncertainty about, okay, well, what, coach, what's going on? Are you going to be there to coach me? And the coach can say, well, you know, I hope to be, or I plan to be, or I, you know, but either way, Recruiting late in the process is about confusion for competing schools. They want to kind of confuse that the recruits and say, hey, listen, we're going to be here. I don't know what's going on at their school, but we're going to be here. We're going to be here to coach you the whole four years, even if they don't mean it. That's what they're going to say. So there will be some changes. There will be some decommitments. A lot of people get all fired up about these uh, junior recruits. When they flip, as Deion Smith flipped to LSU last night, and that's, you know what, and that's fine. It's a long time between now and then. Right now, we need to be focused on finishing up in December. The state's got to find some offensive linemen. The state's got to find a linebacker, and there, there's some guys on, on some commitment list out there right now that uh, don't have a coach. And so, and I'll be honest with you, and I, I tell you before I before I become honest with you, uh, Campus Bookmark. 
that's where you need to be. Campus Book Mart, they've got all your shopping needs taken care of. And mom, let me go ahead and tell you, dad and all the kids want new Mississippi State gear. You can get the brand new Egg Bowl Championship shirts right now. Campus Book Mart, go order those. You can find them online at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Barnyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, bucks, absolutely incomplete. Absolutely incomplete. If you can make it to town, go by and see Stan the Man. You'll see Miss Kathy Brown and lovely, talented Susie who gets more lovely every single day. Go by there and let them know that I sent you. They'll take care of you. They'll treat you like family because you are family. Simple as that. Campus Bookmark right here in Starkville, Mississippi. So uh, the Matt Luke situation, you know, I have said for some time, I was told back in July that Ole Miss would have a new chance in October, a new AD in November, and a new head football coach in December. And so it appeared that things might be changing, you know, when uh, Keith Carter gives the, the dreaded vote of confidence here recently. But that is exactly how it unfolded. And so now again, there is some unrest up the road. You know, from a Mississippi State vantage point, it is good for Mississippi State to just kind of go about their business. Uh, There's a lot of people out there that say, well, you know, Ole Miss should have done this, Ole Miss should have done that. You know, uh, I I think our best focus is to focus on what Mississippi State can do to kind of capitalize on the situation. And right now that is recruiting. That is absolutely recruiting. We got to go out and win on a recruiting trail. And then hopefully be able to put some distance between us and them because we've we've had an opportunity to do that, and we haven't we haven't capitalized on it. And and that is it's always kind of been par for the course. And then people say every time we get a chance to put our foot on our throats, we don't do it. We let them back up. Well, this is a chance for us to do that, make that happen again. And I read some of these comments on the uh, Facebook groups and message boards that I always find a little bit interesting. And um, there are a lot of people that are scared of Ole Miss, and I'm not exactly sure why. And maybe it's just because in years and years and years of Ole Miss people telling you how much superior they are than us. But uh, that's not true. And it's only it's only true in your mind if you allow it to be true. But let me, let me go ahead and, and, and frame this up for you as best I can. Let me tell you what you're scared of. Okay, you're scared of a team that hasn't been to a bowl game in four seasons. You're scared of a team that hadn't had a winning season in four seasons. You're scared of a team that's about to have its third coach in four years. You're scared of a team that uh, we've beaten two years in a row and three of the last four. And so I just want to know what is it you're scared of? What is it about the quote Ole Miss machine other than uh, you know their you know their their hype uh, people in the media that uh, that make you feel like you know what hey man these people they're going in the right direction. They went five and seven, six and six, five and seven, four and eight. And it took them it took them breaking the quarterback slag at Mississippi State in 2017 to prevent a four-year sweep. That's what it took. State goes up there in 16, beats them 55 to 20. We lose Nick Fitzgerald and have five turnovers in a ball game, but they won 31-28. We go up there last year and beat them 35 to 3. And you know they had that game circled on their calendar. It's all everybody, all I heard about is what, what was going to happen to us when we got up there in the Egg Bowl. Wasn't anybody there. And then this year we take them down, 21-20. And I had somebody share with me that was the first, the first one-point victory for Mississippi State in the history of the Egg Bowl. 
that there had been four others, and every time Ole Miss had won this ball game. So maybe momentum is shifting in that respect. But I don't. I still I don't understand what what are, what are we fearful of? They got a brand new chancellor, brand new AD. Just have a brand new coach. And um, we got some of our folks running scared. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And people say, well, you know, well, now they're going to have a chance to upgrade. We should have done that. I, I don't know. What 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 have you seen in recent years that makes you feel like that, that, that that's the case? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But there's a lot of folks that, uh, you know, they've got their own ideas. And, and a lot of this, too, and this will sound a little bit preachy. I know some of my critics say that, well, you know, Steve seems a little preachy. That's okay. That's fine. But I just don't understand why we have to be so insecure about our own program. And, and I don't just mean right now. Listen, it's been a difficult year, okay? And I think everybody's a little bit, it's, you're right to be concerned. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. You know, I hope next year we can go out there and have an 8-4 year. But I don't know that. You know, if, again, if we have a 6-6 six and six year, I'm going to be like, you know what, we might have been better moving on. But I think if, if we're being fair about the situation, you look at this and say, you know what, if we hadn't had the Tudor Gate 10 situation, we'd probably beat Kansas State. And we should, we, we should have beat them anyway. We should have beat Tennessee. We had the full complement of our Tudor Gate 10 players, but you may remember Willie Gay missed a couple big tackles, and I think some of that's because he hadn't tackled anybody in a long time. You know, but uh, but I look at this deal here with, uh, you know, the Ole Miss football stuff. It's like we get, you know, I, and I understand those of you that, that lived through the 60s in the John Vault era. Listen, my hat's off to you guys. But let's look back here. This is what we're looking at here, okay? So... <laughs> Matt Luke finishes his career 11 and 13. Uh, Hugh Freeze on the field finished his career 39 and 25. Most of those wins are vacated. Houston Nutt finished his career 24 and 26. So let's just look at the last decade here, the last 10 seasons. Ole Miss was, let's see here. They, I'm looking at this Wikipedia thing and they've got it messed up. They've got it messed up because they took all those vacated wins out. But, uh, you know, if you remember the 2010-2011 uh, Ole Miss years were, were rough. The last two years of the Houston night year. Let me see if I can't find a better a better list of these uh, records here. Because I know people are giving, you the, uh, giving us the, uh, the adjusted record. Okay, so let's start here in 2010. Uh, Ole Miss goes 4-8. Uh, and eight. They had to vacate those four wins. 2011, they go 2-10, and 10, had to vacate those two wins. 2012, they go 7-6, and six, had to vacate those seven wins. 2013, they go 8-5, vacated seven of those wins. 2014, they go 9-4. Vacated eight of those wins. In 15, they go 10-3 and three and somehow miraculously uh, get to keep the Sugar Bowl trophy, but it is what it is. And then five and seven, vacated all five of those wins. Then six and six, five and seven, four and eight. So let's not even look at the adjusted stuff. Let's not look at the – let's just look at what happened on the field. 
So you got losing season in 10, losing season in 11, losing season in 16, losing season in 17, or pardon me, non-winning season. We'll count that anyway. And then 18 and 19. So this past decade has been really good on the Mississippi State side of things in the rivalry. State's won ball games. Ole Miss hasn't. Ole Miss had a you know, couple of good seasons there, and it cost them mightily. Didn't help in the record books. So, again, I don't understand what exactly we're afraid of. I think it's one of those things we kind of talk ourselves into a frenzy because we, the, the fear of losing to Ole Miss is, is paralyzing for many people. I mean, it really is. But I think it's time we move on from that. So uh, let's look ahead here. So we get back on Wednesday, and I'm going to be busy here. I'm going to give you guys kind of the, the schedule for the week. I'm leaving here, as a matter of fact, and I'm headed down to Hattiesburg. And uh, and so 4 to 7, I'll be at Main Street Books today, 4 to 7. On Tuesday, I will be in Philadelphia, Mississippi at Stribling's from 2.30 to 5.30. That's on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, December 4th, 11 to 1.30 at the Bully Shop there in Meridian. And then Saturday, December 7th, 3 to 6, Barnes & Noble in Tupelo. And then next Tuesday, I'll be at the uh, MSU Gulf Coast Alumni Meeting in Biloxi at Giuseppe's Restaurant. That's going to be uh, in the evening there. So, again, Hattiesburg today, Philadelphia tomorrow, Meridian Wednesday, and Tupelo on Saturday. So come by and see us. So Thursday night, uh, Mississippi State will be back in action. Mississippi State takes on Louisiana Tech back in Humphrey Coliseum. It's been a while for State. They enjoy the Thanksgiving break, and uh, we're getting ready to kind of finish up this non-conference schedule. And uh, we'll get Nick Witherspoon back here in a couple weeks. Excited about having the band back together. Really feel good about the team. Uh, our ladies drop a tough ball game at Stanford over the weekend and uh, had a comeback that came up a little bit short there, but uh, quitted themselves pretty well. Stanford's expected to be a potential Final Four team, uh, a team that, with, you know, outside, if they didn't have Oregon out there, could, could win the, the Pac-12. But um, it's a good early test. And so I think the ladies have done a good job. And listen, they're going to lose some ball games this year. I mean, that's, they're a young team kind of figuring some things out. We just hope that they're playing their best basketball as we get towards the end of the year. Exciting times, to say the least. But uh, I'll be back and uh, beginning to work on that Chris Lamonis piece. I've, I've keep, I, I had planned to do it this weekend, and we had all this football news. And so I'm going to get that together for you. My plan is to run that on Tuesday over on Gene's page. I had a little sit-down with Chris Lamonis. We talked about kind of where we are as a program and, and his expectations kind of moving forward. So we're going to run that on Tuesday. Uh, looking forward to you guys having a chance to read that. Uh, if you hadn't done so, go like us on Facebook, and that's the uh, the Bulldogs two four seven uh, Facebook page. Got about fifty thousand people that like that page, and uh, did a little Facebook live show a couple times each week. Looking forward to doing that. Be back over there on Tuesday uh, at eight p.m. So come be a part of that on Tuesday, and then uh, as of late, I've been doing this thing on Friday nights for everybody who can't get dates. So come and join that. I'm about to hit the road. Look forward to seeing you guys soon. But uh, I'm excited about Mississippi State. And as I say from time to time, I am for Mississippi State. And I am for everybody else that is for Mississippi State. There will be a lot of things that we will disagree about. That doesn't mean that uh, that we you know, love Mississippi State at different levels. We can all love Mississippi State and still agree to disagree on what we think is best for, for our programs and, and kind of move forward. But the reality of our situation now is is that Joe Moorhead is our football coach. 
And, uh, you know, my hope is that he is ultra successful because I want Mississippi State to be successful. Uh, I also don't need to be proven right uh, to feel good about my lot life uh, when it comes to Mississippi State. I just want Mississippi State to win football games, and I want people to, to, to take a lot of pride in our programs. And as I shared with a friend last night, and we spoke about it on the show before, you know, what are the chances of all of us getting together and uniting over one cause? I began to think about, you know, when, when, when we have such a great time, and uh, I, I, I remember Bill Curry said it best when he was on the uh, SEC uh, special they did, you know, Saturdays in the South, and he said something that resonated with me, and I, and I agree 100%, is that when we, the Friday night high school games, and in our case, the Saturday night college football games, that's where we huddle as a family. That's when we have our come, our our, you know, our, our meeting, our family meeting is around Mississippi State football. We get people from, you know, different socioeconomic backgrounds. We get people from all walks of life. We get people from different races, different genders. We get people from different religious backgrounds. But none of that matters on Saturday. We're able to put our differences aside, no matter how impassioned we are about them, and say, you know what, I'm going to go out here and pull for the Bulldogs. That's a beautiful thing, man. We need more of that in life. And to me, that is the better part of sport is the fact that people, despite our differences, can unite under the maroon and white banner. And so it's time to do that again now. It's time for us to get together and enjoy this men's basketball season and women's basketball season. And we're going to be back at Dirty Noble Field before you know it. And so there's plenty of time for us to worry about football season. But what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to get in a, royal, get in a car and I'm going to put on some Motley Crue and I'm going to forget about life and I'm going to look forward to, to covering a tense bowl game in 10 years. Our grandfathers would have given anything to have had that. People forget before Emmy Ballard came along, you could count Mississippi State's bowl appearances on one hand. Got a little bit spoiled. But I'm like you. I like going to bowl games. I like keeping the golden egg. We've been able to do both, but I want more next year. I want more than just a golden egg and a low-level bowl game. I'm happy to the fact that we're getting back to go, but I had higher aspirations this year and last year, and I certainly will for next year. And so let's go win the ball game and allow Garrett Schrader to kind of be the face of the program in the offseason. And we can kind of shape the narrative when it comes to media coverage in the state this year because we have the egg. And I believe Colin Hill is going to win the Connerly. And then we'll kind of move forward from there and get into spring football. And hopefully we have a couple of good signing days and put a great, great class together. Because I believe we've got some young guys coming up. They're going to be big players at Mississippi State, win some ball games. Uh, I do know that there are a lot of times that when the their emotions run high, and I, I've read some of the reports about how some of the Ole Miss players acted out of the team meeting yesterday. And guys, our kids would have been the same way. That there's nothing negative about that, and, and and kids should feel some allegiance to their coaches. They should. And so, Mississippi State's Joe Moorhead lifts the coach of the year. Matt Luke moves on, and it's difficult to be mad at Matt Luke. And I, I've said many times that I think Ole Miss people owe him a debt of gratitude. He, he he helped them navigate through some difficult circumstances, and probably would have never gotten a job otherwise. But he had a chance to to coach his alma mater, and he just didn't win enough. And so he, my hats off to him. Best of luck to him, and uh, whoever comes in, I hope you never win an egg bowl. I hope I hope that uh, when when they eventually fire you, that the egg the uh, the egg bowl trophy remains in Stark Bowl, That's, which is where it belongs. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.